Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Traders News in a nutshell for your Wednesday morning, middle of the week, the 5th of July, 2023. Daniel Pettigrew back in the chair to kick off your sporting day, broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. 1300 01 1170, our open line number. You can text, as always, 0457 736 736, all before breakfast through Sydney's SEN 1170am with Vossi and James Magnuson this morning. And for our listeners in Queensland, it will be Pat and Heels after the 6 o'clock news. Big show for us today. Maddie Cox, host of Tradies News uh, in Melbourne, will join me in about 15 minutes. We'll talk about some of the big sporting topics of the week, both uh, here in Sydney and uh, Queensland, Sydney and Brisbane, and also down there in Victoria and AFL land. We'll also talk about the cricket as well. Uh, speaking of the cricket, we'll hear from Todd Murphy. He caught up with Barat Sunder and of course, coming in to replace Nathan Lyon for the third test at Headingley, which begins tomorrow night. Uh, so we'll hear from him as well after we speak to Matty Cox, plus a lot of rugby league news flying around as well. Wimbledon, day two, uh, so plenty to get through. But most importantly, want to hear from you. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 our open line number, or you can text 0457 736 736 Wednesday morning, two past five. The Hot Topic, thanks to Rain. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a ream. Yes, except nothing less than Australia's best and install a ream, Australia's favourite hot water. Before we get to the news of the day, uh, just one thing. We're going to talk to Maddie Cox uh, after the next break. Uh, one of the subjects we're going to be talking about is Buddy Franklin. Now, he's going to be playing his uh, potentially his last ever game at the MCG this weekend. Now, not going to be his last game ever, but it will be his last game at the MCG where he's played so much of his career, both for Hawthorne and then uh, way games, Sydney Swans, Grand Finals and the like, which will be, I would have thought, a pretty big event. We'll talk to Matty Cox about it uh, shortly. want to know, though, what's the one sporting moment that you were there for that you'll never forget? So not one that you watched on TV or uh, maybe in the pub or something, but you were actually there. What's the one sporting moment? It could be someone, your favourite player retiring. It could be a grand final win. It could be an Olympics moment. It could be anything. The one sporting moment you were there for that you will never, ever forget for the rest of your life. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 I understand. Probably hard to narrow it down just to one. But if you could, what's that one sporting moment that you were there for that you'll never forget? one 1170 or 0457-736-736 to your text soon. Let's look at some of the news of the day, though, at three and a half past five. Now, the Bulldogs. We were talking about the Bulldogs yesterday in relation to their signing of Toby Sexton from the Gold Coast Titans for uh, the rest of this year. Now, look, I, I said pretty good signing. Well, Phil Gould, the Bulldogs boss, uh, says the salary cap sins of past management has left the club with a uh, torturous rebuild that makes it impossible to predict when they will return to finals footy. In a swipe directed at former coach Des Hasler and CEO Rayling Castle, Gould gave a brutal reality check for uh, disgruntled fans by warning Canterbury were destined for more pain due to the long and arduous process of developing the club from the ground up. Now, Hasler took the Dogs to five finals series in six seasons, including runners-up in the 2012 and 2014 Grand Final. However, they haven't played finals in six years, uh, while Hasler and Castle have remained staunch in their decision to adopt a contract model that included huge back-ended deals. 
Uh, Gould yesterday said this. He had a 15-minute press conference. He said, I can't answer that. No one can answer that. But I just know we can't cut corners in the process because as soon as you do, you put yourself further behind. It hurts you in the long term. If you go out and try and look for quick fixes, it never works that way and you're just pushing the problem further down the track. Someone has to come in and make the tough decisions and realise this is going to be a tough, uh, for, tough for a while. I wish they, previous management, had done this six or seven years ago. If they had of, we wouldn't be in this position today. My aim is that we're not in this position in five or six years' time. My aim is that this club is never in this position again. Uh, the club has been at the tail end of the field for a long time. I think they ran 13th, 13th, 15th, 15th and 16th before I got here. And it's going to be in a couple of painful seasons yet. We just need to make sure this club doesn't go through this type of period again. So Phil Gould, Bulldogs boss, has basically said, and who knows what will happen, but he's basically said the Bulldogs fans, you might be in for another couple of bad years before it gets better. I'd be interested to know how that makes you feel. Now, that may well be the reality. That might be what happens on the field. It may take a couple of years to turn the Bulldogs around. What do you make of that from Phil Gould? Saying that this may take another two or three years, maybe longer for the Bulldogs to turn things around. I find it a bit of an interesting comment. And again, he might be right. He would definitely know more what's going on on the Bulldogs than I do. And the majority of our listeners, maybe all of our listeners. But... But the start of this season, and has to be said that the Bulldogs were talked up about as one of the clubs that would be the big improvers this year. Now, they have had a lot of injuries, which clearly hasn't helped them. Um, but I still think they should probably be performing a little better than they are. So, Bulldogs fans, how do you feel about that? And just generally, you could support any team in the NRL. You could be supporting a team like Penrith, uh, Storm, Roosters before this year, which have success each and every year, but lately. Or you could be supporting a team like the Bulldogs, the Tigers, the Dragons, who have struggled. Would you like to hear that it could be another two or three years before you turn things around? Maybe you do. Maybe you prefer to know that that is more likely than having hope each and every year. It's an interesting one. What do you make of those comments from Phil Gould? Bulldogs fans, NRL fans, Sports fans generally, 0457 736 736 or 1300 If I was a Bulldogs fan, I'd be hoping they turn things around quicker than that. What do you reckon? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 West Tigers coach Tim Sheens has vowed to stay the course, which includes remaining in the head coaching position until the end of next season. Uh, and optimistically, he failed to rule out the Tigers' hopes of making a late charge into the finals this year. Mm. Sheens wants to remain as the Tigers' front man for 2024, while ensuring understudy Benji Marshall ups his involvement as the former Tigers superstar continues his coaching development. Uh, despite the Tigers' record-breaking 74-0 loss to the North Queensland Cowboys on Saturday, Sheens remains adamant that the club is on the right path with him at the helm and Marshall alongside him. Uh, when asked uh, if he would be head coach next year, Sheens replied, that's what my contract says. He has a huge role now, uh, Sheen said of Marshall, more than most people think. I'm not prepared to talk about percentages on who does what. I've got a good coaching crew. Benji and I work closely together. He is an apprentice. Right at the moment, I'm giving him more and more to do. He is absorbing and doing it well. He takes over at the end of the year. It's never been any different. 
Um, he said, you'd have to win every game to make the finals, and that's not going to happen, you would think, but I'm not going to say it won't. See, that's very different to what we're hearing out of the Bulldogs. Um, Tim Sheen, so, says he will be sticking around until 20, well, the end of next year, 2024, Benji Marshall to take over properly in 2025. 0457 736 736 or 1300 0 Tigers fans, you happy with Tim Sheen staying? And do you think you can make the finals? I mean, that 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 would be a story for the ages. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but it is good to remain optimistic. And just one on the cricket as well before we take a break. Steve Smith is going to be playing his 100th test match when it begins at Headingley tomorrow night in Leeds. Uh, fantastic cricketer. Fantastic batsman. Um... Where does he rank, if you're a big cricket fan, or even if you're only a casual cricket fan, where does he rank in the list of Australian cricketers? Is he your favourite batsman? And if not, who has been your favourite batsman of all time, your favourite en- entertaining batsman? Or is Steve Smith number one in your list of batsmen yeah, batsmen you've seen? 0457 736 736, playing as a 100th test, a great achievement starting tomorrow night. We'll talk more cricket shortly as well. So plenty on our agenda. That one moment at a sporting event you've been to that you'll never forget. Bulldogs might take two, three, four years to turn things around. Tim Sheen's adamant he'll be there until 2000 and, well, the end of the 2024 season. 0457 at the Tigers. 0457 736 736, our text number. 1300 0111 70. On the other side of this, we'll have a chat with Matty Cox, host of Tradies News in Melbourne. It's 10 past five, Wednesday morning. We will get to some origin news shortly. Brad Fittler saying he's still the man for the job. So we'll wait and see what happens uh, with that. We'll get to that shortly. Matty Cox in about 20 seconds. Uh, some texts as well. 0457 736 736. The one sporting moment you were literally at. You were there and you will never forget. 1300 01 1170 or 0457 736. Six seven three six, but let's cross to Matty Cox in Melbourne to talk all things sport from this week. Here he is. Now on SEN, on SEN, it's, it's time, time to, to trade, trade towns. towns. And a very good morning to you, Dan. Seamlessly done, Matty. Well done. How are yes. you? Good. What do we think? I like trade, that. Trading like... towns, the new name of our little cross. Yeah, I like that. How long did it take you to make that up? Uh, I invested in a third party to be able to get that job done. Mm, good thinking, good thinking. Yeah, I like it. I like it. That It's a bit different from the random music we get each week, but I like some consistency. It's good, Matty. Yes, and a good tune as well. Yes, Never tear us apart because yes. Melbourne and Sydney in particular, you, mm. we, uh, we like to be torn apart on various issues. Yes, I said there's been another earthquake in Melbourne. What's, what's going on? 2.4 in Pacna. It's just it's all happening down there at the moment. It's the uh, the epicentre, mm. I think would be one way of describing it. Mm. Um, mm. And sp- speaking of the epicentre, yes. New South Wales is currently the epicentre regarding all the state of origin mm. news that seems to be floating around as we head towards... Game three next week. The spotlight firmly focused on the Blues, despite the fact that they're no chance. <laughs> no chance. Okay, that's a big call for him, Matty. Uh, well, they, they, no, they well, can't win the series. Well, no, they can't win the series, but they could win the game. But, yeah, no, they can't win the series. So, yeah, probably right. Uh, yes, a lot of changes. Look, I said, I think when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, Matty, uh, in t- heading into game two, that Queensland were flying under the radar. They have made a couple of changes due to injury, but... 
Um, yeah, New South Wales, five or six changes. Uh, some, a couple due to injury. Uh, Bradman Best, centre from Newcastle Knight, seems to have come from nowhere to be picked uh, there. Uh, Jerome Luai from the Penrith Panthers dropped. Uh, Cody Walker comes back in, 33-year-old from South Sydney. There's been a couple of other changes. So, yeah, uh, some interesting changes. Uh, not everyone agrees with all the changes that have been made by Coach Brad Fittler and Greg Alexander, the selection advisor, but... Uh, they have done that, and we'll have to see how it plays out there. They are saying, though, and I read an article uh, yesterday, Maddie, that even though it is a dead rubber, that apparently, uh, and I'll probably believe this when I see it, but they've already sold 75,000 seats for that game next Wednesday night. So even if we, even if they could get 60,000, 65,000, I think they'd be pretty happy with that. If they can get more than that, that would be brilliant. What's the incentive then, considering, as I mentioned before, that the series is done, mm. it's over. Queensland have been triumphant. Why, why the why the extraordinary interest? Is it because we haven't yet had a game played in New South Wales? Well, I think it's probably a bit of both. Uh, clearly, some of those tickets would have been sold before uh, the result of Game 2 was decided. Now, how much of the, the percentage of that, no one would really know. Um, and I would be interested, Maddie, to see who does, if they brought their tickets beforehand, who does turn up to uh, a core stadium this time next week. But, look, I think it's origin. It's a big event. It always is in rugby league terms. There was a bit of a debate after Game 2 on Twitter, on social media, and we had it here, and it was pretty split about uh, when it is a dead rubber. Uh, the third game, does it get in the way of the NRL season? Should it be scrapped? It's never going to be scrapped. It makes too much money. It rates well on TV. But, yeah, look, I, I still think big event. Uh, there hasn't been a game in Sydney, as you mentioned. And these days as well, both Queensland and New South Wales only get one game each with the other game being at the neutral venue. So, yeah, if they could get 60, 70, 80,000 there next Wednesday night, that would be a big win for the NRL. Speaking of the NRL, there were a few intriguing results mm. over the course of the weekend that I'd like to explore with you. Mm. We'll start with what unfolded with the Melbourne Storm and Penrith, two of the top sides of the competition. What do you read into the Storm's loss? Yeah, and it was uh, probably a very disappointing loss for the Melbourne Storm, Matty, because they were leading 14-0. It was at Marvel Stadium, of course. Uh, we're getting games played different places now with the Women's World Cup only a couple of weeks away. Um yeah, really disappointing for them. 14-0 up. But as soon as Penrith got a couple of quick tries, got a roll on, they're always hard to stop. And look, whilst Melbourne would be disappointed with it, um, I still wouldn't be writing them off. They've had a pretty good month aside from that loss after they got absolutely smashed by the Cowboys about five weeks ago. Uh, but Penrith, you talk about teams and look, there's still a long way to go. We've still got, what, nine, ten rounds of the regular season left before we head into the finals. But they're still waiting on Nathan Cleary to come back, and they still look very, very good. I, th I still think, Matty, they're probably a step back from what they were the past couple of years. However, right now, they are my premiership favourites. I think they are setting themselves up very nicely for a crack at a three-peat, and it's going to take a very good team to beat them. They can be beaten, but it's going to be interesting to see who and if anyone can beat them when we, when we get to the final series in a couple of months. And speaking of being beaten, you had a couple of massive <laughs> mm. thrashings over the weekend. What are we, I mean, down here on Monday morning, I was flicking through the results on the weekend and thought, geez, that's, there's a couple of shellackings there. Are there any explanations as to why all of a sudden the, uh, the 
dogs and the tigers have fallen off the face of the planet? Well, the tigers disappointing, seventy-four nil to the Cowboys on Saturday night. Um, the tigers are a really interesting one, Maddie, because they are in a rebuilding phase. They've got Tim Sheen's interim coach there for this year and at this stage next year, Benji Marshall to take over in twenty twenty-five. Um, and they've had some good moments throughout the year, but that was pretty poor, uh, very poor on Saturday night. And the Bulldogs, uh, when we were just talking about them, Phil Gould, the Bulldogs boss, and you'd know him uh, better from commentary on the Nine Network, came out yesterday and said, look, it could take three or four more years, maybe longer, to get the Bulldogs back to where they want the Bulldogs to be and where, obviously, the Bulldogs fans want the Bulldogs to be, which intrigued me a little because at the start of the year, Matty, a lot of people were saying that, look, the Bulldogs will be the big improvers. Maybe they won't make the finals, but they'll be the big improvers. Now, they have had injuries, but it just goes to show how hard it is at times to turn clubs around. Bulldogs haven't been in the finals for six years. The Tigers longer than that. The Dragons have been suffering for a few years now as well in the NRL. In the AFL land, and I'll give you an example in a second of a club that did turn things around quite quickly in the NRL. But in AFL land, when a team is struggling, how long, generally speaking, does it take for them to change things and get themselves back into finals contention? Well, I think it depends on what the trajectory of the team has been. Mm. For a club like Port Adelaide, which is now on a 12-game winning streak this season, but all the talk and chatter leading in, to 2023 was whether or not Ken Hinckley would be the coach beyond this season. He's still without a contract for next year, although the reports uh, suggest that that may change in the next couple of weeks, considering the success that Porter having this year. But they were a club that for a long period of time had a lot of talent on the list and a lot of people were hoping that potentially they may be able to become a genuine contender. And that hadn't been the case, which is why the pressure was on Ken Hinckley entering it this season. So that's at one end of the spectrum. You've got a team that's been there or thereabouts, that's got the talent on the list to probably go deep into finals and indeed has gone deep into finals on occasions over the last five or so years. But then you've got a team like North Melbourne, who's been dwindling at the bottom of the ladder for a significant period of time now. They've gone through, I think this is the third or fourth iteration of the rebuild that has begun. But you kind of expect that's where they're going to be. They made the decision four or so years ago to significantly cut the list in terms of the experience and try to regenerate relatively quickly. Whether or not that was the right decision, in hindsight, it probably wasn't to get rid as much of experience as what they did at the time because it's prolonged now this return to just being competitive. I mean, they've been better this year than what they were 12 months ago, but they're still dwindling down the bottom of the ladder. Mm. And as we've discussed recently, West Coast are in a similar position. Mm. They were all chips in two years ago, and it's all gone down the toilet since then, although they were a lot more competitive on the weekend. The the curious club for us at the moment where the, the pressure seems to be or the focus and attention seems to be is the Gold Coast Suns, who... Mm have never made finals since, or they may have made it. No, they, I think they were on the verge of making finals, if my memory stands correctly. But they've never been inside the top eight at the end of the season, I'm pretty sure. And even if they have, that was, it wasn't really worth it at the time because they weren't a, a genuine forgettable. contender. Yes, yeah. correct. Um, 
But either way, they've been a club that was expected to do things, hasn't done things. They've gone again through a couple of iterations. They've lost players over the journey because the, the time becomes frustrating and the, the lure to go elsewhere with significant contract offers is far more appealing. Under Stuart Dew, that seems to have changed. They've had a lot of the young talent re-sign long-term in some cases. But now the pressure's back on, on Stuart Dew because everyone's asking the question, how have they improved? Where do they go from here? I sit in the camp of they just need more time, mm. but I'm starting to get worried that I don't think the the rest of the football community is prepared to do that. We've had reports this week that he may be uh, kicked out of the job and Damien Hardwick, who waits in the wings for a coaching position somewhere, he may be the coach of the Gold Coast Suns. That was disputed last night on AFL 360, Mark Robinson revealing that he'd spoken to Stuart Jew, who was quite angry with the reports and has the support of the club. So it's becoming a much bigger distraction for Gold Coast, which is what they didn't need. They got thrashed on the weekend by Collingwood mm. and, and now they are embroiled in all this distraction, which takes away from the fact of being able to focus on the on-field performance, which they need to do mm. to, to strengthen and continue to build towards being a competitive team. And see, what you're saying there is interesting, and this wasn't on our list of things we were going to talk about, but you think, and hot topic in NRL land and also in the AFL with Tasmania coming in down the track has been expansion, but I think this weekend, and happy for my listeners to buy into this from an NRL point of view after our chat, Matty, but you look at some of the score lines uh, in the NRL, the AFL as well recently, and you think how much more talent is there when at the moment we're getting these big results, when you're getting 74 nil. We saw the Swans, uh, and I'll ask you about the Swans in a second, putting 200-odd points on West Coast the other week. It is interesting that both um, codes want to expand, the NRL more so uh, than the AFL at the moment, but we're still getting these one-sided results as well. I think, and I was having a discussion with a friend of mine on the weekend, I think they have to be very careful because obviously more teams, more content, more ratings, more revenue, that is great. But how many people are going to be watching a 50, 60 point smashing in the NRL and a smashing in the AFL if it happens each and every week? So there's a fine line these codes have to walk, I would say. And it comes a lot down to the equalisation methods that the AFL has put in place to ensure that we do have a competitive competition. But it does also produce these lopsided results given the way that we have our drafting process our trading process it looks as though a mid-season trade could be on the table for next year as part of the new players bargaining agreement that's yet to be ticked off but it seems as though all the the news heads towards that direction but on your point mm. it's one of the main concerns with aflw mm. the fact that we have such lopsided results we've got these really strong teams that have been committed to the competition for a long period of time and have been able to generate success and have been able to attract quality talent. And then you've got other teams that are in the competition that have existed for a few years but have failed to make a, a genuine competitive impact. Someone like the the um, GWS Giants in the AFLW mm. is an example of this. They were one of the inaugural teams that were in the competition back in 2017. But... Because of, A, their location, B, the, 
women's footy in New South Wales wasn't as strong as what it has been around the rest of the country, so the access to talent hasn't quite been there. So you get these lopsided results in the AFLW competition, which people start to point towards and go, well, why am I watching something that we're trying to be lured towards watching, but it's not really of a a quality standard? Regarding talent, I don't think it's as big of an issue for the AFL. I think we do have the catchments there to to be able to foster the talent. Mm. I think that the big query is on development. West Coast is in is a prime example. They've got some young kids on the list, but they're clearly not ready for AFL competition. So are we bringing that talent into the competition too early? Should we look at I don't know, it's a mm. it's an age-old debate of pushing the draft age out beyond 18 years of age. For someone like Nick Dacos, that would probably be completely inappropriate. But there's these factors of are they being developed correctly and are they ready for AFL standard when when they are called upon? Because for the West Coast, you'd argue no. And um, you're talking about AFLW, NRLW in a couple of weeks' time, expanding, uh, expanded season beginning, I think, middle of July. Um, and that has really taken off over the past two or three years. The quality of that has been sensational. So hopefully with uh, more teams in it, it keeps that uh, tempo up. Now, uh, I want to ask you just quickly about the Swans last Friday, that draw against Geelong. Uh, but uh, Buddy Franklin looks like he's also going to be playing his final game, potentially at the MCG this weekend. Uh, but I'll start with the Swans. What on earth? 18 behinds on Friday night against Geelong. That would have been very disappointing for a lot of Swans fans. That game was surely a joke. (laughs) It was one of the worst games of the year. And for Sydney, this has been an issue for the Swans, I think, in 2023. The fact that they have the, the capability of winning a game such as Friday night but for whatever reason, whether it be through injury, personnel, maybe attitude at, at some stages because of the, the youth in that team, that they just don't get the job done. And, and I remember saying to you last week, because you asked me for my opinion following the West Coast mm. win that they had about where they sat in the scheme of things as we head towards the pointy end of the season. And I wanted to reserve judgment until after Friday night. Well, I'm still prepared to reserve judgment on them because I think Mm. on their day, they are certainly capable and they've proven that they are capable. Earlier in the the year, I I remember sitting back and thinking, wow, they've got the look in their eye of a team that is determined and resolute on overturning the, the horror that was last year's grand final. Halfway through the year, I thought, well, that that was obviously a lie because they haven't been performing to the standard that they can. They are capable, the Sydney Swans. And you would have hoped that following the West Coast victory, they generated a bit of confidence. That didn't seem to occur against a Geelong side that's not firing on all cylinders. That's the other thing you have to consider in that result on Friday night. This Geelong team is below par. It ain't performing either. So you you have to weigh that into where a the two teams sit in the overall scheme of things. It was a test for Sydney, and in my eyes, I think they failed. Yeah, disappointing, Buddy Franklin. Uh, final game potentially at the MCG. What's the? Is it going to be a big event or not? I don't know. I don't mm. know. There's a, there's a little bit of hype that is now surrounding this story, considering the Swans have indicated that he will play. He's missed the last three games for the Swans with knee soreness, but he's expected to be an inclusion 
for Thursday night's encounter against Richmond. But because we don't really know, I mean, everyone expects that this will be his final season in the competition. And considering where Sydney are on the ladder, you would think that they probably now will miss out on a finals berth, which means that this may be the final time we see Buddy Grace, the hallowed turf of the MCG and what has been a storied career. He's dominated that ground for such a long period of time. I expect maybe the hype to intensify over the next 24, 48 hours as we lead into this match. But in, in saying that, the Swans have been reluctant to acknowledge that this may be it for, for Buddy and to celebrate up until this point. That hasn't really been the storyline that's been associated with him over the course of this season. So it'll be curious to see whether anything is made about his appearance on the G tomorrow night or whether following the game, as as the Swans depart the ground, whether they win, lose or draw, whether anything is done to commemorate whether or not that was the final time that he has played on the G. Yeah, going to be one interesting one to watch. And we'll finish off with this one. You're looking forward to the third test uh, starting tomorrow night in Leeds at Headingley. What a interesting way to finish the second test. I, I can't wait for this third test. What a series it's been already. Interesting is an understatement yes, to describe so. what yes. happened on uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. <clears throat> Phenomenal. And the fallout... And reaction, yep. it's still going. Yep. I saw Tra- Travis Head make a comment yesterday regarding he pulled Johnny Bairstow up following the, the dismissal and said, well, this is the conversation that we had in the last test, and you said you'd take the bails. So the, the, the back mm. and forth between these two teams, and it's got political too. I saw yeah. Elbow had a crack at the British PM and yep. had a crack at us. It's, I, it's almost... Not what the series needed, but it kind of was leading towards this, was it? There was going to be some sort of moment in this series that caused a bushfire, and Mm. that's exactly what's unfolded. Well, I was going to say um, at the start of last match, so what, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday uh, last week, I actually thought the teams were almost a bit too friendly uh, to each other. There was a lot of chatting during rain breaks. Everyone was happy. I'm not so sure that's going to be the case uh, when we get to Headingley tomorrow night. No, no, I, I, I think, and the the atmosphere at Lords, mm. you would draw I, I, on Sunday night. I, I thought I'd w- I'll watch the first hour, and that extended out to lunch, and then mm. the atmosphere erupted, and it, you couldn't help but to be drawn in to just watch what would happen next. It was the ultimate reality television for me, and mm. I think, as you've indicated, it, it's it's only going to be a little more narky considering. You have to remember what happened the last time mm, these two true. teams played at Headingley. Yeah, very and, and definitely not a, not as well behaved as people as at Lords, and we saw what happened at Lords with those so-called well-behaved people. So it is going to be really intriguing. I think there's going to be a bit of a hostile hostile atmosphere, Maddie. It was almost reminiscent of when David Warner and Steve Smith returned to the mm. Australian team in the UK. It mm. was a very similar vibe. It was, it was. Well, I'm looking forward to watching, of course, listening to it on SCN as well. And Maddie, I'm looking forward to chatting with you again next Wednesday. And of course, when we speak next Wednesday, the third test will be well and truly done. And of course, it is Origin Day once again. 
And just to say, it's nice to have another Victorian in the side uh, with Todd Murphy yes. expected to replace uh, Nathan Lyon. So uh, there's another one for you, you New South Welshman. No worries. Now, how are you going to finish it? Because you, you started the segment with the new Sting. Do we just finish with a bit of music? I think so. Okay. I could go the time up because we have run a little bit over time, but mm. uh, I think we'll just go with a little little tune to see us out this morning. Sounds good. Thank you, Maddie. Speak next week. We can all be heroes. <laughs> have a good one, Dan. <laughs> Maddie Cox in Melbourne, uh, host of Tradies News in Melbourne. We'll chat to him again next week. Uh, yeah, what do you make just quickly of that conversation I was having with Maddie about expansion? Um, in the NRL, in the light of some of the results last weekend. And I know it's only one weekend, so very small sample size. But if we want to get to 20 teams by 2032, are you a little worried that if we do get to 20 teams, we're going to see these results more often? Do you think we should maybe stick to, well, there's going to be an 18th team. That's definitely going to happen. Do you think maybe we should stop there? Or do you think we do have enough talent to stretch to 20 teams and have good matches week in, week out. Of course, in any competition, you're going to have some one-sided games. What do you reckon? Interesting. 0457 736 736. This text from Redman. Good day, mate. I was at the Philip I, I was at Phillip Island when Rain, Wayne Gardner won the Australian Motorcycle Grand Prix in 1989. Amazing atmosphere. Thank you, Redman. Asking you about the one sporting event that you were at that you will never forget for the rest of your life. 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. Expansion. Can we get to 20 teams and still have competitive matches? Or would you be stopping at 18 teams? Do we have enough talent in the NRL, in rugby league, to get to 20 teams in the next 10 years? Interested to get your take in the last part of the show. 0457 736 736, our text number. You can call the open line, 1300 0111 70. It is 22 minutes to six. This is Tradies News in a nutshell. We're going to hear from Todd Murphy with Barat Sunder Racing in just a second. Also update you on a rain affected day at Wimbledon. Just quickly, New South Wales coach Brad Fittler has given his strongest indication yet that he plans to fight for a state of origin future, insisting that he is still the best man for the job and won't be driven away by the pressure and scrutiny on his position. Fittler's tenure as Blues coach comes to an end after the final game of this series and the New South Wales Rugby League is set to sit down in coming months to determine whether his time in charge should be extended. Uh, Freddie said yesterday, um, uh, while results have been mixed on the field in recent years, Fittler's impact often has been strong as ever. He said yesterday, at the end of the day, the other stuff is a passion and what I like to do for New South Wales. I have the ability as New South Wales coach to be able to do it. Maybe that changes if I'm not New South Wales coach. That is something I'm passionate about. At the end of the day, we need to win state of origins. If there is a better coach there, that is up to the board and David Trodden and whoever to decide that. But he seems that he wants to stay on. So what do you make of that? Is Brad Fittler still the best person to coach New South Wales after this year? couple of texts. Uh, this one from the Oval Treeman. Hi, Dan. January 3, 2003 will always stick in my mind being at the SCG for the incredible last ball century by Steve Waugh. Yeah, a, a remarkable. We've spoken about that before. That was just one of the great sporting moments. And the Green Giving Rooster on expansion that we were just talking about before the break, he said, he says, Morning, Dan. I don't think we have enough talent for expansion. Uh, COVID has had a big impact on player development at junior rep level because they didn't play for two years. And those players either gave the game away or just haven't developed through a lack of games. That from the green keeping rooster. Yeah, well, that is an interesting one as well. As I said, they want to get to 20 teams by 2032. But would you watch matches 
if we got matches like we saw this weekend or last weekend with the Cowboys smashing the Tigers and the uh, Knights smashing the Bulldogs each weekend. Fine line. They have to walk. Now, Nathan Lyon out of the third test, out of the rest of the series. We know that. Todd Murphy, the most likely man to come in. And Barat Sunder Racing caught up with Todd Murphy yesterday. Todd Murphy, big test match coming up for you. Uh, you had that wonderful series in India where you didn't expect to play four test matches, but you did. Uh, uh, just what have the last couple of days been like for you? Yeah, it's probably changed a bit from sort of coming over here, what I was expecting. I obviously knew that I was here as backup for Nath if something was to go wrong, but probably never thought with how durable he's been that that would happen. So, um, yeah, now the I suppose the prospect of playing some Ashes crickets was real and depending on selection. But, um, yeah, the last few days have probably just been getting my head around, yeah, the opportunity that's coming up and just making sure that I'm really confident going out there and being able to play a role. And just if, if I could take you back to that moment when Nathan pulls up and it, it, you could make out, you know, as a cricketer that oh, it's not looking very good. Did did those thoughts come to you immediately? Obviously, you were feeling terrible for Nathan, but oh, this could be me then. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, when it happened, you sort of, you could sort of tell the severity of it straight away by how he pulled up and, yeah, your mind sort of goes straight to what that can mean for you. Um, obviously, as disappointing as it was for Nathan, so... Um, yeah, and then from there you sort of yeah, you're trying to wrap your head around going forward and the opportunity that might arise and coming into yeah the bigger series that's been there for a while and we're obviously in a really good position but trying to hope that I can help push forward. Uh, just about conditions here, like you said, you've never been to England before. Uh, what have you made of just like holding the Duke's ball? Um, getting you know the seams different and the little bit you bowled in the nets. Uh, what can you take from that? Yeah, I've actually really enjoyed bowling with the Duke's ball. I think the seam's quite pronounced and, it's, and you get quite a nice grip of the ball. And um, and then, yeah, a lot of the wickets sort of, as games have gone on as well, you see they start to dry out and spin a bit. So, yeah, I think it would just be about assessing that and I'm not sure exactly what the wicket looks like out here. Um, but there's potential that first innings looks like a holding role and then, yeah, going from there, if it does dry up and, and flatten out a little bit, hopefully it takes some spin. I mean, this is the Ashes, and if you are Australian or English, this is all that matters. But you were part of a very big series in India where the crowds were noisy, it was a big atmosphere, you got rid of Virat Kohli four times. How much of that experience can you bring into this series? Yeah, I think it's really nice to be able to look back on and have had that experience there, and it's not totally new and daunting coming out to play test cricket over here. So I think I'll be able to look back and and take some stuff from that. And, um, yeah, just sort of how to level emotions out and not get too caught up in it because... Yeah, five days is a long time to be sort of up. So, yeah, just trying to manage that. Um, uh, and, you know, England are playing a certain kind of cricket now. Um, and uh, you expect them to come after you. Uh, it didn't work out against Nathan too much. But so just about that, like, how, how have you read the situation in that sense uh, and the scenario and what you expect from them and how you can counter it? Yeah, definitely. I think under no illusions that they're going to attack me and they're probably, yeah, they're going to try and come extra hard at me and put some pressure back on me. So um, I know for myself that means that I'm always going to be in the game and it's probably just getting my head around the fact that it might not look like bowling 40 overs and going at twos and over. It sort of changes from that. But, um, yeah, just try and keep creating chances and um, take wickets and hopefully, yeah, play a role in there. Uh, in just in India, Todd, your family was there, and it was a big moment. It was very sweet, like you know how mm. they rallied around you. Um, have you spoken to them? What does it mean to them that you are now an Ashes, or about to be an Ashes cricketer? Yeah, it was obviously so good to have them part of the um, Indian experience, and 
I know how grateful they were to be a part of it. They've obviously played a massive role in my journey. And, um, yeah, they're really excited, I think, by the prospect of potentially getting the opportunity to play some Ashes cricket as well. And, um, yeah, I think they're, they're quite proud and they're just happy for me to be, be out here and doing what I love. Thank you so much. Go well, Todd. Thank you, mate. Todd Murphy with Bharat Sundar and of course, the third test getting underway tomorrow. Full coverage on SEN. We are hoping to talk to Paul Dennett tomorrow morning from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast for a full preview and also are hoping as well on Friday morning no guarantees uh, about crossing over to Henningley. Jaleesa Apps going to the first day of the first test. So uh, she has said she'll come on, but uh, it will be about 8 p.m. after a day's cricket. So we'll just wait and see how that plays out. But it would be good to chat to her over at Headingley. Full coverage on SDN from tomorrow night. We'll take a break, update you in Wimbledon, finish with a few texts as well. Let's see 11 to 6. Time for a Wimbledon update. Don't forget, Wimbledon is now streaming on Stan Sport. Watch every match at free centre court in 4K and the Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, AATC.tennis. Rain affected day at Wimbledon. A lot of matches suspended. Alex Demeldor didn't even get on court. Uh, some of the matches played. Andy Murray got up in straight sets. So uh, well done to him. Uh, Robert Keenat managed to win her match as well. Uh, Three sets, four, six, six, one, six, two. But a lot of the other matches suspended. The heap of matches suspended overnight. Uh, Daria Gavrilova, or Seville, uh, her match has been suspended six, five up in the first set. Uh, but then, yeah, heap of matches suspended or didn't even get uh, on court. So uh, a lot of ground to make up at Wimbledon tonight. Hopefully the weather will improve. And hopefully Alex Dimonor can get uh, on court. A big hope on the men's side of things, Daria. Gavrilova as well. Let's see if uh, she can continue her match as well, leading 6-5 in the first set. Uh, Brett Phillips will be on the breakfast shows with more after 6am. Wimbledon is now streaming on Stan Sport. Watch every match. Add free centre court in 4K. Some texts. Uh, this on uh, Steve Smith, the greatest batsman of all the time. Steve Smith playing his 100th match tomorrow at Henningley. Test match. Hi, Dan. I now have Steve Smith replacing Alan Board in my top five, along with Bradman, Greg Chappell, Ponting and Steve Waugh and have him ranked number one as far as entertainment value to watch. Thank you for that text. This from Junior Smithy, re-expansion. Morning, Dan. We should go to 18 teams, but we should be looking at creating a second division. Interesting. We may talk more about expansion tomorrow. Uh, Radelaide Rooster says, Morning, Dan. My memorable sporting moment was day three Sydney Tests as well. Steve's was last match. He opened the bowling also. At, uh, my all sitting in the old messenger stand. Thank you, Radelaide Rooster. And this this one from uh, Dave from the Goldie. He says, 2016 NRL Grand Final to see my Sharkies win their first premiership. What a night. Yeah, that would have been a great night. Uh, and Oren Park Oracle, I'll pass that on as a possible Vossi Oki choice for today for Vossi. Thanks for your company. Patton Hills coming up uh, for our Queensland listeners. And for listeners to Sydney, it'll be Vossi and James Magnuson. I'll do, see you tomorrow, 5 a.m.